Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give you their message of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to transformative Catherine Grace O'Connell. Are you ready to reframe yourself and your vision for the future? Are you ready to align with who and what you're meant to be and stop that anxious ache in your gut, you get to meet the founder of Forever Fierce Midlife Matters, who founded a global community of empowered women who make their voices heard and let the world know they matter. You too can learn how to transform any part of your life right now. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. I am delighted to be with you today and what an amazing program you've created and bringing so much hope to the world, which God knows we need a lot of hope. Yeah, definitely that. Okay, so you're this figurehead and voice for midlife thriving women. And seems like it wasn't that long ago, you were really suffering yourself and your life's totally turned around. And you talk about how it all started with an inside job is what I call it, Mm -hmm. that it all starts from the inside out. You talk about like your life as you put it, look vastly different. You're a woman who almost lost her life to late stage Lyme disease. But besides that, you were disempowered from decades of trauma and abuse. That's a lot. (laughs) And to turn it around, there's so much hope just in that alone. It can't just be the, the Lyme disease that's a catalyst if like having no purpose. I mean, there's a lot more involved in that. So what was the bottom for you? Well, thank you for asking. And I could have definitely used your program back then. I was really pretty much giving up on life. So yes, if we rewind back, I had a pretty traumatic childhood. And then I married that, let's just say I married that on steroids. And I was married 20 years and the marriage broke me. And so I literally left after a breakdown. And my doctor looked at me and I was what, 45 at the time. And he said, you don't get out, you're not going to make it. I had been in and out of the hospital, major, major surgeries, all kinds of illnesses. I had two cases of spinal meningitis and my ex-husband would just literally leave me to die. It was crazy. So, and I didn't know how crazy it was when you're in it, you know, it's, it's one thing and to get out of it, then you're starting to look at it from a different place. And so I really lost myself completely and I left the marriage and I left Chicago and I came out to LA to get my master's in spiritual psychology. I've been on a spiritual path for 30 plus years. And so I wanted to do a deep dive in my inner world and find out like, how did this happen and make sure it was never going to happen again. And so when I was in the program, I had my second case of spinal meningitis and I just kept getting sicker and sicker. I went in, had a second colon resection. I've just had so many crazy things. And finally, um, I switched doctors at that point because I knew something was horribly wrong. I was extremely thin. I could barely eat. I was just sickly. I was severely depressed. And my doctors kept treating me for PTSD. But what they were missing is I had Lyme disease and the doctors traced it back over 10 years because the two cases of spinal meningitis, which is neural Lyme, it's a very common complication with Lyme disease. So they traced it back 10 years and I'd been living with Lyme disease in my body that had gotten into my brain. So by the time I went under treatment, it was a very quick time. I was bedridden within a month and needed full-time care. I couldn't do anything for myself. Wow. So so how'd you get out of that? (laughs) Well, I had a near-death experience. This was spring of 2014. I was diagnosed with Lyme. 
by 11, 11, 14, I'd left my body. I was still here though. So everyone's near-death experiences are different. Mine, mm-hmm. I guarantee, is different than how anybody's oh, no, ever. I want to hear. Yeah. I love this. I love hearing so this. It's, it's a crazy story. So. I love hearing. I listen to Anita Morgiani so yeah. many times that my kids, my kids, when they're little, they're like, no. Like, they couldn't stand I'm a right. huge but Wayne Dyer fan. Yeah, yeah, I was, she's, I, yeah. She's so uplifting. It's not a downer. I was like, no, this is about love. It's great. The difference in her story is that she really went through this experience where it started healing her mine. I had to do the healing. So I actually was in a very different place in that I was ready to go. At least I had my last rites. I was in Cedar Sinai, the, you know, minister is there giving me and I was like, I'm okay to go. I really had suffered so much. So I'm like, I had no problem up there. I had a lot of problems down here. So, and I got a little emotional there. So, um, when I had this near-death experience, I was going through a crazy, well, you're an attorney. I was going through a crazy divorce thing with my ex-husband. I'd been walking around in a near-death experience. And so um, it was a lot to process. And um, yeah, I, after that, I brought myself back. I decided to do some inner work, heavy-duty inner work. I'm an energy worker. I took out my spiritual toolbox and I had to look at all that shadow, all that darkness inside of me all the stories, it's not what happens to us. It's not the abuse and the trauma. It's what we wrap around that to mean about ourselves. So I had, you know, it's one thing to to be in an abusive marriage, another thing to be in abusive, you know, abused by your parents. It's another thing to go, okay, that abuse, this means that I'm worthless and I can't be loved and I don't deserve any goodness in my life. So I had to unwind all these stories I'd wrapped around everything and rebuild a new me from scratch. So yeah, this hasn't been that many years. No, that you've yeah, it's eleven eleven. So Friday's my my birth date, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. I left my body and I came back. So that's this week. So it's eight years. This Friday is when I had the near death experience, and I spent a year unable to walk. I was under hundred pounds. I'm five nine. So I was a skeleton. There was nothing left of me. I mean, you've got so many businesses and such a powerhouse. <laughs> and you're such a figurehead for like so many things now of empowerment and what a force we are as women and, and also for the spiritual path. I had a lot of catching up to do. (laughs) All right. As long as I'm going to be here, I might as well get to it. So yeah, yeah, I did. I decided I really set an intention and that was how I healed. I look at Lyme disease as basically there's a circle of wellness and there's a circle of illness. And energetically, I had made a decision that I was going to be well. I was well. That was it. Lyme disease was gone, even though my reality, it wasn't gone. I was going to live as if it was. And since that day, I set that intention. That was spring of 2015. I've never thought about it, never worried about it. I was told I could never heal. The doctor said, I've never seen a case like yours. Um, We don't know what to do. They'd given up and it's all gone. So there is a power in intention. There is a power in, you know, making that decision to be well and to live well and to change your reality. And mine literally changed. And I decided I was just going to follow sort of the breadcrumbs of the universe. You put something in front of me, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go for everything. I'm going to go for my dreams. I'm going to ask for the moon. And, um, you know, what have I got to lose? You know, I've already pretty much lost whatever I could, right? And so I'm coming from zero. I might as well go for it. And so, yeah, within, gosh, two years, maybe a year and a half, I'd launched six businesses. Yeah, that's amazing. And so do you set an intention daily since you just oh, talked about 
a daily and usually multiple times a day. A big one in my um, master's in spiritual psychology class, we learned to actually do bedtimes intentions. So most people set them in the morning, which is wonderful. It gets you through, you know, giving you sort of a, an energetic plan for the day, should we say. And then at night, you can have your subconscious working for you. So bedtime intentions are really powerful as well. Okay, I see so a lot of intentions. Talk about that. So what, what, because I this is the first time hearing about bedtime intentions. So I love I love learning new stuff. So sure. So basically, before you go to bed is a really really powerful time. First of all, the first intention is to let go of anything that you kind of are bringing with you throughout the night, and then to call in, use that your subconscious mind. Right, start whatever it is that you intend for your life. Maybe it's you know, a dream for to meet a partner, maybe it's, you know, moving abroad, maybe it's traveling the world, whatever it is, nighttime is the most powerful time to set those intentions. So once you clear the stuff that you've attracted from the day, and you set an intention, and you go to bed, that intention is now planted in your subconscious mind, and your subconscious, your dreams, all of that is now working for you and helping you, you know, to create this new reality, to bring these things into your life. It's a really powerful time. Most people don't know that. Yeah, no, that's great. There's certain things I'll do. And, and I exchange gratitude lists with friends. It's it's been over a decade now. Some write right. them in the morning, some do them at night before they go to bed. Everybody, you know, some do them twice a day. It doesn't, I'm, there's nothing, nothing. Whatever's bad. right for you, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. everyone's going to be different. So I'd say, you know, don't make it a chore, right? Make it something that you really look forward to when you ritualize something. Like if you make your bedtime, maybe it's a nice cup of herbal tea and, you know, putting some lavender, um, you know, essential oil and maybe some, you know, oil in your body, like, you know, Ayurvedic do. So, you know, making this ritual and then adding the bedtime intention in, it's a really powerful way, like I said, to use your dream time and your subconscious in your favor. Yeah, no, I, I just love that. That was so good. Okay. So you said you changed, your beliefs change, and your life began to dr- dramatically transform and you let go of who you were told to be in order to become who you wanted to just really desired to be, not like what other people told you. Oh, I think Catherine, you should be this. <laughs> so you must have, besides your transformation, which is, I mean, magical, you must watch other women make the same transformation. But we're all different. You know, our transformations are different. The one thing I will say is midlife. So we have this thing called the North Node. If you know anything about horoscopes and astrology, there is, when we're born, there is a North Node. You know, we hear about the Saturn return, all of that. We don't hear about the North Node. We all have a South Node. South Node is generally who we're programmed to be at midlife. The North Node comes into play. And the North Node is like our North Star. It's who we are authentically meant to be in our soul. And that is that, you know, Brene Brown will talk about this middleness urging that comes from within. Well, that's the voice of our soul that really starts hitting up, heating up at midlife and beyond if we have not, you know, gone that direction. So it starts pivoting us. And oftentimes, There are illnesses. There are all kinds of things that happen at that time to wake us up and shake us up. So we'll start getting on that authentic track that we're meant to be on, not the one, you know, that we've, like I said, told to be taught to be, but, you know, who we've been sort of conformed to be. We get to break out of that box and be who we choose to be, who we dream to be. Okay. So I have two questions there. For people who are listening and they're like, I'm not sure what that is, but I get it. I've been sick. I've had this, but I'm just not sure. I've been so immersed in the life I'm in and I don't like it. 
how would you tell them to figure that out? Well, all our answers are within, right? I mean, there's there's no question that, first of all, if you are in a place where you're not feeling good, not feeling happy, not ready, you know, I was in a space where it was dread in the morning, like literally sheer dread. I have this awful feeling, open my eyes and be like, oh my God, I got to face another day. And that's a horrible feeling. Yeah. So that means change course, right? That is your soul screaming, wrong track, wrong track. So then there's some excavating to do. Like I said, first it's, you know, what the heck are you telling yourself about yourself? Like it's one thing other people, you know, doing this to you. It's another thing. We start doing it to ourselves in here. So we have to clear the gunk out, right? And then we need to go back to who we were as children. That's our authentic self. What did we love? You know, what lit us up? And so really start playing with that, playing with that energy. There is an exercise we did in my master's course. We did a lot of things. It doesn't sound like it's a master's course, but it was really tapping into that inner child. So that inner child inside of us, we have inner children, right? We have all different you know, parts of ourselves, younger selves inside of us. And a lot of those inner children at different times in our life were wounded. And so we need to take that inner child out. We need to like help heal her, help you know close up those wounds and those triggers, and also find what sparks her joy because what sparks your inner child is also what sparks your midlife and beyond human. It's just, we forget that. We forget to play. We forget to have fun. We get so darn serious. I mean, look, you're a lawyer for heaven's sakes. Talk about serious stuff. Like we get so crazy serious that we forget to create. We forget to go play. We forget to go dance. You know, all these things that bring out different parts of ourselves. Midlife and beyond to me is the ultimate time of self-discovery, but not that self we were told to be taught to be, the self who we choose to be. Yeah, no, and I, and I love that. And journaling is such a good way to get in touch with what it is that lights you up and brings you joy. It's very it, powerful. That's powerful. And so the morning pages, have you ever done those? Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. I just, I just also, was at a retreat with her. I was at a retreat oh, with her in person last weekend. Oh, she was yeah. here. I saw that. She was here, I think, at one of the centers in, in Seattle. I love Julia Cameron. I love the morning pages. Talk about a great way to get the gunk out. That's it's automatic writing. You get yeah. it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She was great. Anne Lamont was there too. Oh my God. I know. Heroes. It was, Huge heroes. Yeah. I was amazing. Yeah. So we've got the intention. And what about the person that they're afraid? What do you what do you tell people that are afraid to take that leap? We're all afraid. We're all afraid. So this is what I would say to that. I think of, I'll use the midlife analogy again, a trapeze. So when a trapeze artist goes, they go from one platform to another, right? So when they leave the platform, there's this in-between unknown. They can fall, right? But you're ultimately, truly, there's a net there. You're probably not going to fall and you're going to end up on the other platform. But there is an in-between time when you're going to get those butterflies and you're going to be afraid. So fear actually is a good thing. We have our ego and we have our authentic self. It's our ego's job to keep us in fear. It's our ego's job to keep us in that uncomfortable comfort zone, right? Where we're too afraid to squish out of it, even if it's making us so small. So fear not the kind of fear where you're going to be harmed, right? That kind of fear is what they say, false evidence appearing real. These are stories we tell ourselves. I was terrified. I had no voice. I had never been in public. I had no social media. I could no more do a talk show or interview anybody, be a model. I was hiding all the time. I was taught to hide, 
taught to be invisible. So it was terrifying. But also, you know, again, we can flip those butterflies into something that's exciting, right? It's an opportunity. It's, you know, anytime we have anything that is a contraction inside of us, that's what fear is. It's an energetic contraction. We know that comes from ego. That is never from our authentic self. So it's always the moment to step back and go, oh, okay, I got that. Ego, get out of the way here. You know, I'm going to go forward, right? Go into the fire. I'm not going to run away from this now. So fear is a good thing. That kind of fear is a good thing. It means you're pushing outside of, you know, that box that you've been put in. Yeah. No, I love, I love that. And I love the trapeze analogy. That was, that was so good. It's like, you got this. You're going to push somebody on the other side. They got you. Yeah. And you can think of it that way. Like, you have to feel the feelings, but you know, you, you got this. <laughs> that was good. What's oh, your superpower? What, what is my superpower? You mean like a quality of me or something that I do? Do you mean a being or a doing? I don't care. First of all, I've been on a really healthy, holistic path since I like over 30 years now. So I almost, actually almost hemorrhaged to death when I had my daughter. And that started me into alternative medicine because I was in Chicago, Northwestern Hospital, could do nothing to help me. And I happened to find an acupuncturist, my dad had one, acupuncturist, chiropractor who healed me in two sessions. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, what is all this about? So that's what started me on this path. And I got to meet Wayne Dyer. I mean, all these amazing people. So I would say for one, um, having a natural wellness, healthy, holistic path, as well as energy, whatever you can do for me, I'm an energy worker. I know when I'm leaking energy and I know when I need to do something to add to my energy. So I think it's really important to be mindful of our energy and be mindful of energetic drains, be it people be it things, activities that you do, anything. If it's not propelling you forward, it's either keeping you stuck or or pushing you backwards, right? So energy is so important. Do what it is that fuels you and pushes you forward. Our dreams pull us forward. Anything else, the past, those stories all hold us back. So my superpower, I think, is being really, really in touch with who I truly am with my intuition, um, with this inner, you know, um, higher power that I have, that would be all on sort of the being side. And, you know, the natural wellness is just anything you can do to feel better. I'm a big, you know, exerciser, just what I eat, you know, what I drink. But the most important thing really is our thoughts. I think my superpower now is I was so filled with negative thoughts. I was doing all these healthy things, but I was beating myself up in here so badly. So all that does is, you exercise and you drink green smoothies and you, you know, get herbs and acupuncture. But if you're filling yourself with gunk, you're going to stay back there. So I would say this, you know, the inside out thing, our minds are so powerful. Our thoughts are so powerful. We can literally change a life, our life with something as simple yet so powerful as our thoughts. Absolutely. So what do you do when the negative self starts? So when I really started this path, I had several things that I really used every day to help heal myself and propel myself forward. Obviously, a year bedridden, unable to walk, couldn't do anything for myself, literally 100% dependent on other people. So there's a lot of negative thoughts. You're not going anywhere. You're laying down. I had seizures three to eight hours a day. I'd be up all night because I couldn't sleep at all. It was madness. So there's tremendous negative thoughts. So 
what I did, I took a mantra, Om Namah Shivaya. It means I am consciousness. So, and every single time I had a ne- negative thought, rather than doing like Esther Hicks, you know, and you know her work, um, she teaches you to think like a higher vibrational thought, right? Change from joy to, you know, whatever. I, that's too hard. When you are in, like, you're at ground zero, you have no energy to do that. So I took that mantra and I kept in my head, in my head, I'd sing it to myself. I'd wake up in the morning every single time I had a negative thought. I'd go, Om Namah Shivaya. And before I knew it, it was going 24-7 in my mind. So it was naturally clearing negative thoughts. And the reason a mantra is so powerful, it's a vibration. Our mind can't attach a story to it. There's no language there. It can't say, oh, you know, wrap something around it. So a mantra is incredibly powerful. So I did that. I used mirror work, Louise Hay, you know, the queen of mirror work. Yeah. I would wake up in the morning and I, if you see pictures of me on my blog, I looked horrible. I would learn to look into that mirror and see the deeper part of myself. I would look into my soul and my eyes and say, I love you. I love you. And first, it's so awkward. You just look yeah. away. And you're like, what no, you, feel I like it, you feel like an yeah. SNL kid. So and you're like, true. I think you're all alone. And you're like, exactly. Like, you're whispering, is- but you're supposed to say it out loud. And- <laughs> I ritualized it with like brushing my teeth in the morning. And so those two things, there were other things I did, but those two things alone really helped me shift out of that space. Because you go in the mirror, you brush your teeth in the morning, you got negative thoughts right away. Oh my God, I look so tired. I look awful. How am I going to go? You know, all that starts. So if you start breaking those thoughts right away by having a mantra that basically cancels out the negative thoughts, then you're looking in the mirror, telling yourself beautiful things. You're getting rid of the negative and you're filling the positive. It's a really powerful practice. Yeah. I, I, I swear by, I've been doing affirmations for so long and it, I mean, I get in my car, I do them all over the place and it's no big deal. I don't care anymore, but I swear by them. I don't care. It's so good. And do you know, one of the secrets to manifestation and affirmations is obviously up here in Seattle, we have a lot of water, right? So if you say your affirmations out loud in front of a body of water, it's like quartz crystals, right? It's magnified. So you are going to have an additional power amplification to your affirmations or anything, your prayers, anything. Go in front of a body of water, any water, and it will amplify your affirmations. I'll go over to the Pacific Ocean. I'm in LA. So (laughs) I'll just go out to the beach. Any excuse. Okay. So when you tell people what you do, what's the most common question you're asked? The most common question I asked is how do you ask the people ask you? Yeah. No, the most common questions I get asked is how do you look so young? Like that's that is the number one. How do you how do you do it? Okay, there's nothing. I'm 100% natural, and if you looked at what I looked like before, I look terrible. So it's energy. It's all energy. My daughter calls me Benjamin Button. I don't have gray hair yet. I think it's because I started on a natural wellness path for so long. But I also am really in touch with that kid at heart inside of me. I have a lot of joy that I'm tapping into now that I really hadn't discovered before. That is such a powerful secret. You know, if we can let our inner child loose, if we can tap into our joy, if we, you know, that's the best way to elevate our vibration and to turn the clock backwards. So I would say that's the number one thing that I, I still get carded. I mean, it's like, so that's the number one question I get asked. Yeah, that's a great one. That is really good. So do you have a message of hope you want to give? 
Oh my gosh, absolutely. You are a message of hope. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I know what it feels like to, to lose all hope. So when that year that I spent bedridden, um, and that was the culmination, like you said, there was a lot before that. It was just like, to me, I'm done. And so I was in despair. Depression is one thing. Despair is another thing. It's when we've slipped from depression into despair in our brain and our chemistry when we're isolated. They've shown studies that people that are depressed, if you're isolated, pandemic, you will naturally fall into despair. Despair is really, really hard to get out of. It's a dark, dark place. And I know that place. And I spent a lot of time in that place. And I spent a lot of time not suicidal so much, but just saying, take me. You know, I don't understand being down here. I really don't understand it. I think these people are kooky. They're not nice. I want to be up with the angels up there. I know what it feels like to have no hope, but the hopes inside of us, the lights inside of us, that darkness is darkness going out inside of us. We're turning the light on and off inside of ourselves. So we have the power to bring hope to ourselves. And that means being doing, right? So we do things that fill us up inside and help to you know, dispel the darkness that we've accumulated inside of ourselves. But we also gravitate toward joy. And at that point, like when I was in Cedar Sinai and I had the last rites, my daughter came over and she brought her computer to play music. And I was in the ER and I'd certain, I had seizures and they would put me in the psych ward because they didn't even believe I had Lyme disease. And my daughter looked at me and she said, Mom, what would you like me to play? What, what song would you want to hear? And I was so dead. I couldn't even think of a song that would bring me joy because there, it was gone. You can change that overnight, but you can take little baby steps Again, back to childhood. What is it that brought you comfort? What is it that made you feel good? Who are you surrounding yourselves with? You know, who are your friends? Are they making you feel good? It's all energy, positive, negative. So we have to clear the negative inside of ourselves. If we've lost hope, we've built up a lot of negativity inside of ourselves. And we have to bring light both inside and outside. So we have to find things. Maybe it's the beach. You're in LA. The beach is beautiful. Go watch a sunset. You know, call a friend. If you don't have a friend, you're going to need to find friends because isolation is is a killer. It's a killer of hope. Right. You talk about you found your tribe. So how do you recommend that people find their tribe? Well, it, it is one of the questions I do get a lot is how do you make friends at midlife and beyond, right? Many of us, we do it through our children. We do it when they're growing up through their schools, through volunteer work, or if we're working, we've got our tribe there. But oftentimes midlife and beyond, be it divorce, be it um, your kids are, you know, left the nest, whatever that is, oftentimes maybe we move, like I moved to a new place and I didn't know anybody. So you need to, it, for me, I built that community because I didn't have it. So I had some ideas come to me and I followed them. I decided, I, I heard these things. So it was my community, Forever Fierce. It literally came to me in yoga class to start this social service campaign that led to let, um, opening the community. So I didn't have a tribe. And so I created one. And if you are isolated, we've got this incredible virtual world here. You can create a community online. And many of these women I've met in real life now, they've been stayed with me in my home. This is not like just a virtual world. You can take the virtual and make it real. So you can make some of the deepest friendships at Midlife and Beyond 
especially when you start getting in touch with your authentic self and who you truly are, you are creating friendships from a different place and space. So they're golden. And I promise you, you can do that. Anyone can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Oh, that's great. So thank you so I, much for I, all of I, you're I do doing. Not. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so on, don't. This, on this show, you've done a wonderful job in bringing yeah. you know, much needed light and hope to the world. So I thank you for having me here. Yeah, thank you so much for being a guest today. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Catherine's messages of authenticity, connection, and trust. Really trust in yourself. If you tap into your own inner knowing, you know the right thing to do. Just close your eyes, breathe, and take a second to feel what's right for you. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week for a special episode on the five biggest lessons of how to improve your life and move your life forward. It's super insightful with lots of great tips for your daily life. You'll love this episode. It's so good. Also, something new is coming. I'm inviting some of you on for confidence and clarity boost sessions. If you feel like you're struggling, you can use a little bit of boost. You might be interested in this. It's great for those of you feeling like you're burnt out, you're jealous because you see others doing what it is you want to do, life's passing you by, your inner critic's going nonstop, and you're ready to live an empowered life, fulfilled, where your path is clear and focused, then this might be for you. If you want to kind of jump to first in the line and be on the list to do this, just go to the website at 52weeksofhope.com and hit the link to sign up for these Confidence and Clarity Boost sessions. We're going to start a little bit of a wait list before we have the actual signups open to everybody. So you get to be in the beta group. Just go ahead and sign up. Hit the contact page on the website for contact information. That's where the signups are. So that's where you do that. I also want to thank Love to Laugh for the fabulous review. I really appreciate it. She says this podcast comforts her and inspires her and she's just so grateful. And I want to say thank you so much to Love to Laugh. I'm grateful to you too. Your reviews uh, make a difference. So I'm really grateful that you took the time to write that. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening. 